All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm chapter number 27, Psalm 27, and uh, several were like, oh, we don't have a missionary tonight, sorry. Uh, it starts on Sunday, all right? You came all ready for a missionary, and then you got to put up with your pastor again. Uh, it'll be okay. Uh, we'll get through it. But, uh, but uh, if, it, if it's worth anything, I was a missionary, okay? So that counts a little bit. Um, but we're going to study Psalm tonight, and, uh, and I hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. I, I want to mention two things. I was uh, going to announce them, and then I kind of... Uh, decide, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the announcements, and uh, these are kind of new things uh, that, so that you can be aware. Um, one, we're planning a, a church workday, spring cleanup, on March 25th, that's Saturday, and uh, we'll have a breakfast here at the church, 8.30, and, uh, and then clean up, and there is a sign-up sheet in the back, and we need to know so we, we can kind of calculate everything. Brother Jeremy is uh, heading that up. I appreciate him doing that, and uh, we'll put mulch down around like we did it last year, uh, and, and for... You know, indoors, the, I told the ladies they could run around and sprinkle their little magic cleaning things, whatever they do, uh, to spruce up the inside. And so I'm sure somebody will, uh, will help with that, uh, kind of coordinate that, and, and somebody knows what things need to be done. But uh, outside, we'll try and get some stuff done as well. Uh, so that's one thing on the 25th, March the 25th. That's a Saturday. And then uh, this is, this is um, something that uh, I want to do this year it's a men's missions trip and you're saying wow we don't have much time it's going to be march 23rd and 24th and no we don't have a lot of time but it's not that difficult it's not that far and uh, and so we can do it march 23rd and 24th is a thursday and a friday and we plan on going down uh to the wilderness christian camp and every year brother uh, Matt Ferguson takes his church down and they have a work day down there and they just try and clean up the campground and get things situated. And I know it's short notice, so if you cannot, uh, it is not a problem. I, I apologize for the short notice, but I thought for those who are able, uh, we'll go down and we'll spend Thursday and we'll spend Friday. We will have to come back on, on that Friday night because we have men's uh, spring cleanup on that Saturday. Uh, but if you're interested in that, uh, there is a sign-up sheet on the back table, or there will be for Sunday as well. And just want to let you know about that, and uh, it's an opportunity. I thought, boy, that kind of works well with our missions month. It falls at the end of missions month and gives us a, a practical hands-on opportunity to do something. And, uh, and so we're looking forward to that. Many of you, of course, you know Brother Jason. He's been here before. And, uh, and so we're familiar with the Wilderness Christian Camp. And again, if you have an opportunity you want to go, wonderful. And if you can't, it is not a problem. We totally understand. Uh, but uh, we are going to try and, try and swing that and get as many people as we can uh, to go down there. That's a men's missions trip. So uh, March 23rd and 24th for that. All right, Psalm chapter number 27. And I've entitled the message, Learning to Lean on the Lord. Psalm chapter 27 and verse number 1 the Bible says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foe, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the, temp of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say... On the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. God, I thank you for this psalm that we can read, that God, that we can study. And God, I pray that as we look at the psalm tonight and as we study it, I pray, Father, that you would uh, speak to our hearts. I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us. And God, will certainly thank you for that. And we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. It's very possible that, uh, that this psalm was written while David was a young man and, uh, and placed in, in Saul's kingdom uh, after he had killed Goliath and uh, probably while he was running. So Saul's jealousy kind of uh, rose up within him and he became very jealous of, of David. And so David actually had to flee. Uh, and so we think it was probably in those early times that David had to flee. You remember that he went and he met with uh, Jonathan, his good friend. Uh, well, he didn't go to that supper that night. And Jonathan said, uh, or da Saul asked Jonathan, where's David? And uh, Jonathan said, well, I gave him leave to go to his family. And Saul became angry and even threw the spear at his own son, Jonathan. And, uh, and so Jonathan knew immediately, yeah, my dad's out to kill David. And uh, so he goes down to the field and he lets David know. Of course, they had their uh, little system set up about the bow and arrow and uh, beyond thee and before thee and all of that. And uh, afterwards they talked and, and, and David left and he fled. And so it was in those early days uh, that, that we believe the psalm was written. And, uh, and it's quite uh, a traumatic time. I mean, think of a, a young person... Uh, just, boy, going through all of that. What a hardship uh, for David in his life. And uh, looking at the psalm as a whole, the end result is learning to lean on the Lord. He, say, he ends it with, wait on the Lord. Boy, that's a hard place for a young person to be. 
Uh, that's a hard place for uh, a middle-aged person to be. I don't like to wait. Uh, most of us don't like to wait. Uh, and, and so uh, I think at any stage of life, for some people, waiting on the Lord uh, is, is just a difficult place. Uh, I tell you all the time that this is one of my favorite verses. This is one of my least favorite verses in the Bible, all right? Uh, many of them I like, but this one I just don't like because it says two times in there, wait on the Lord. And we don't like to wait. It's just not enjoyable. And so uh, this is not one of my favorite verses, all right? Most of them I do like, and most of them are very good. And I say that tongue-in-cheek. Of course, it's a very good verse. It's a very uh, spiritually, it's a, a verse that is helpful. Uh, and, and so just imagine David in his life uh, going through all of this and, and coming up at the end and saying, encouraging himself, really, and advising himself to just wait on the Lord. And boy, that's sometimes a hard place to be in. As we look at this psalm this evening, uh, there's a couple things I want you to notice. He comes right out in verse number 1, and he just exudes confidence. And we see the confidence that is modeled in verses 1 through 3. He says there in verse number 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. And, and look at the two questions he asks. He says, whom shall I fear? And then the last phrase, he says, of whom shall I be afraid? And boy, he's just bursting over with confidence and, and knowing, hey, God is going to take care of me. And, and I don't have a reason to fear other people. Boy, those few verses in the beginning are very, uh, they're very helpful uh, to us. I love the fact that he says this. He says, uh, the Lord is the strength of my life. No, before that, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Hey, listen, when God is your salvation, your life is different. And, and, and praise the Lord for that. Uh, David, uh, he was talking, I think, probably more about a physical salvation, uh, as he certainly needed a physical salvation. And, and we, we would look at that as a spiritual. But listen, when you're spiritually saved, your physical life changes as well. And if you think about the end result, hey, listen, physically when we die on this earth, hey, we don't have to fear that death because physically we're going to heaven. And, and there is a physical aspect to that spiritual salvation. And so uh, David says, hey, the Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my strength. I was reminded of the verse in Matthew chapter number 10, verse 28. It says... And, the, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And I say, praise the Lord, we don't have to fear that. And what that means is, he tells us right in the beginning of the verse, uh, fear not them which are able to kill the body. We don't have to worry about those who can kill our flesh. Uh, you've heard the illustration undoubtedly, and and, and I, I just give it as illustration. I don't necessarily recommend it per se, but uh, somebody has, was being held up and, uh, and robbed, and they were at gunpoint, and, and they told the, the, the assailant, they said, you're threatening me with heaven? I'm not worried about that. 
Uh, I'm not worried about my physical. I mean, if I die, man, I'm going to be better off. I'm out of here. I'm going, uh, I'm going to heaven. And that's kind of the idea here. As David was saying, the Lord is my light and my salvation. In other words, hey, I am trusting in God and, and I don't have to worry. Because God is my salvation. We see his fearlessness as it's announced there in verse number one. Uh, it's just very clear. Of whom shall I be afraid and, and, and whom shall I fear, he says. Not only the salvation, but I want you to notice the light. Listen, there is, there is nothing greater than having just a flicker of light when it is dark. I mean, if you've ever been in pitch black darkness... Boy, it's nice to have something. Uh, I mean, a flashlight, even a match, you know, will provide. When it's really dark, uh, just a little bit of light really helps a lot. And David is kind of expressing that. He's saying, hey, listen, there is darkness all around me. But that, that, the fact is that God is my light. In other words, he takes care of me. He provides, and, uh, and he is the one that's going to lead us. And, uh, and so he's really uh, addressing his fearlessness there in, in verse number one. Look at his former attacks in verse number two. He says this, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. I want you to notice the description of this verse. He said there, it's, it's past tense is what he's talking about. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came, that's a past tense uh, verb. And so uh, he's saying, hey, this, is, this happened before. And I've experienced it. And I've had God help me. And then he describes them as well as being wicked. Uh, and then enemies, being plural, wicked is evil in principle and practice, and they're serious about causing destruction and harm. Sometimes we think, well, they're just bad. No, no, they're, listen, they're not just bad. Our enemy, and it's, it's not flesh and blood, okay, like we, we know the Bible says that, but our enemy truly seeks to destroy us. And we have to keep that in the forefront of our mind. They're not, they're not playing games. And uh, they're serious about wickedness. They're si the, the fact that he uses the word wicked uh, would, would show that. Uh, I read, when I read through my Bible, I, one of the stories I, I enjoy reading, the, uh, the account of David after he, he leaves his friend Jonathan, and he goes down to the temple, and, uh, and he's saying, he asks the priest, he says, is there not a sword here? And, and the priest says, there's one, and it's the one that you took from Goliath. And, and David's like, you can just show. I mean, it's just like amazing because the Lord lines it all up, and David's like, there's none like that one. Give it to me. And, 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 uh, and what bothers me is that, that fella Doeg, man, he makes me mad. He's standing just in earshot of all of that with his back turned so that David doesn't recognize him. And, and he's listening to everything that's going on. And what does he do? He runs right back to Saul and reports, David has a weapon. David went to the, the priest. David got the sword. And, and the priest helped him. And what does, what does Saul do? He says, hey, you go down and, and you kill that priest. Boy, that, that just 
angers me. Uh, here's a priest of God and, and, and somebody who's serving the Lord and, and innocently just, he doesn't know that, that there's a rife between David and between Saul and, and, and he's just trying to be a, a good, good person. And here, uh, Doeg, uh, who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was an Edomite or an Edomite or something like that. And, and he goes down and he kills that priest, just wicked person. And what I'm saying is our enemy is real. And, and they are wicked, and, and there's more than one of them, and they will try and, uh, try and destroy us. And they're not, they're not playing around, but I love this. If you look at that verse there, at verse number two, it says this, um, they came upon me to eat up my flesh. That would be to destroy, to totally uh, to, to kill and destroy David. But they says this, they stumbled and fell. Isn't it amazing that God does not have to wage a war with, with sword and spear and, and all of those things. God has so many ways of working things out that it's just amazing. One of my favorite, favorite passages that I enjoy reading about is when the Israelites cross the Red Sea and they go across and so then the Egyptians, what do they do? Man, they can cross, we can cross and so they get halfway down in there and, and if you go back and read it, the Bible says that the Lord pulls the wheels off of their chariots and they drave heavily. In other words, they got a flat tire on a chariot and here they are at the, the bottom of the sea and then what does God do? He pulls his hands out. Now, was it just per chance that their wheels fell off? No. The Bible attributes it to God. But I tell you what, those Egyptians who did not believe in God, they're like, you believe our luck? Our wheels are falling off. They're not going to attribute that to God. They're not even going to recognize. If the word of God had not specifically told us that God pulled those wheels off, we would not even know. And what I'm saying is God has a way of causing things to happen to other people. David here says they stumbled and they fell. It was not that God sent a, a soldier there with a sword to destroy uh, those people, but rather he hindered their, their progress in their life uh, or their advancement of finding David. And you often think about David hiding there in the wilderness and Saul seeking after him. And, and you read one portion where he's going up the mountain and, and he's got nowhere else to go. And then mysteriously... The nation of Israel gets attacked and Saul is called away to battle. No, it's God. And what I'm saying is God has a way of, of, of backing up his servant and taking care of him uh, that is far more... Um, there, there's so many ways that God can work that maybe we don't even see or realize. And David is saying they fell. They stumbled and they fell. Look at here in verse number three, as I love this. Again, he's talking about the confidence that he has in God. And he says in verse number three, though an host sh should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. He's talking about the future. He's saying, hey, even in the future, even if the entire army of Israel or the Philistines or others come against me and wage war against me and they surround me and I'm all by myself, he's saying, hey, I don't have to fear. I read that and I was reminded of the passage. Go with me to 2 Kings really quick. 2 Kings chapter number 6. 2 Kings chapter number 6. And I love this passage as well. 
I'm telling you, the Bible is full of exciting stuff. 2 Kings chapter number 6 and verse number 15. We don't have time to expound upon the whole uh, history here that's going on, but basically Elisha is up in a mountain, and, and the Syrians are angry uh, with Elisha, and they've sent a man to find Elisha. And in uh, and, and verse number 15, 2 Kings chapter number 6 and verse number 15, the Bible says, And when the, servants of the, man, when the servant excuse me, of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, master, how shall we do? In other words, a whole host of Syrian armies had come against this city uh, to entrap Elisha. Look at verse number 16. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Verse 18, And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. We see the heavenly host had surrounded that mountain and they were there in protection of Elisha. And I find it interesting because here a whole host of Syrian armies had come after him. He's by himself and his servant. And, and, uh, and here God sent a host of his armies. But then it's even kind of funny because he prays and says, Lord, smite him with blindness. And he just walks out right through him because they can't see anything. And, and what I'm saying is, hey, even, even though a host, David is saying, even though a host would come against me, hey, they're not, they're, I, I don't have anything to fear. Why? Because God is on my side. And, and his confidence was squarely placed in God. Look in verse 4, back in Psalm 27, and verse 4, we see the choice that he made. In chapter, chapter 27, verse 4, he says, One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We see the choices that David made. One was his great desire to be faithful to the house of God while David was running and hiding in those hillsides and, and, and wandering about in Gedi and, and that wilderness. Uh, listen, he was not able to go to the temple freely and pray. Uh, he, he was, man, he had to stay in hiding. He was, he was basically banned and outlawed from the country. And, and his desire was, man, I look to the day that I can go into the temple of God and that I can admire the Lord's beauty. Look at what he says there in verse number four. He says, um, to, to behold the beauty of the Lord and just say, man, it's good to be in the house of God and just admire who God is and how good God is to us. David was, was saying, hey, I look forward to the faithfulness of God and he desired to be in the temple of God and to inquire and spend time in prayer there in the temple of God. And, and he was, uh, his desire and his choice that he would make, if he could have, would be to faith, be faithful to God's temple and he desired to be there. 
Look with me in verses 5 and 6. And we find his focus. We're talking about the choices he made. His focus in verse number 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Think about this in verse number 5. David easily could have focused on the time of trouble. He did not expound upon that. He did not say, this is the guy hunting me. This is the guy trying to kill me. And here they are. Other passages, he did take that to the Lord. And he did uh, explain all of that to God. But in this passage, his focus is not pressed towards the problems or he's not focusing on the difficulty. But what he is focusing on is the work of God. And he says this, for in the time of trouble... He, being God, shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, and now shall, be, shall mine head be lifted above mine enemies round about me. And he's saying, hey, God is going to take care of me. God is going to hide me. God is going to uh, provide for me. And God is ultimately going to lift me up. And then he goes on in verse number six. Therefore, why? Because God has hid him. God has protected him. God has allowed him to come through all of that and lifted him up. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, and I will sing praises unto the Lord. His focus was on God's work and not on the problems that he had. His focus was on uh, because of God's goodness to him and how God took care of him. He said, now, hey, listen, I can offer sacrifices of joy in the temple of God. And it'll be a joy to me to be able to take those to God and say, man, uh, I get to do this. I was not able to before. And not only that, but listen, when I go to the temple, uh, what a joy it is for me to be able to sing praises to God. And listen, he's, he's rejoicing. He's chosen to focus on those things that exalt God and, and those things that, would, uh, that, that are joyful, that he would be able to praise God in his temple. We're talking about the choices he made. Not only that, but notice with me in verses 7 and 8. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. In verse 8, When thou saidest, Seek my, ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Not only was he faith, wanted, desired to be faithful, but he desired to focus on those things, but he also wanted a face-to-face with God. He wanted to spend time. You can hear his plea there in verse number 7. But then his dialogue is, hey, God did speak to him. And, and he, re, he turned around and, and stated back to God, I desire to speak to you face to face. He's saying, hey, I want to talk to you. Uh, I want to spend time with you. I don't want this uh, obscureness. I, I want to be close to you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be in your temple. I, I desire to be uh, very close to you. You could put down there that David wanted FaceTime with God. And it wasn't this kind of FaceTime. He didn't want a digital FaceTime. He wanted face-to-face, be able to talk with God. And, and, and that's what he desired. These are the choices that he made. Look in verses 10 and 11. He said, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. I find it interesting, verse 10. And, and as I was thinking about that verse, verse number 10, when, when would have David's father and mother forsaken him? 
perhaps, this is just my speculation, my opinion, perhaps when David was running from King Saul and the first time when he left, where would King Saul go first? Straight down to his parents' house. Where's, where's your son? And maybe Jesse had to say, I don't have no idea. I don't know anything. I don't know where he's gone. I don't know where he is. Maybe Jesse, Jesse's life felt threatened. And, and maybe for that fact, he had to say, I, I have no idea what's going on. And, and I don't know. I haven't seen him. And, and, and maybe uh, it's not necessarily that they forsook him because they did not like him. But out of safety and out of a precaution where they said, man, we, we can't maintain, maintain contact with David right now. And, and he's hid, hidden in the... Uh, uh, in the wilderness, and we don't know where to find him. And, and so, uh, as a young man, obviously that'd be difficult for David. Uh, here he is running, and, and he's, for all practical purposes, he's an outlaw uh, against the king, and, and really, he's done nothing wrong. He has a great spirit about him, and here he is running for his life, and he can't even go back to his own home. Boy, that's a hard place to be in, especially as a young person that's trying to get established, and, and, uh, and here he is. He feels perhaps forsaken by his parents. Not that they desired to forsake him, but it wasn't safe for him to go back. It would endanger his family, and, and so he felt like that. And look at what he says in verse number 11. He says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. You know, when when you don't have anywhere else to turn and you can't go back because you're an outlaw of your government, and I'm not advocating being an outlaw of your government, but I'm saying that's the circumstances that David was under. There was nowhere for him to turn. He couldn't go back to the temple. He couldn't go back to his family. There was literally nowhere for David to go, but he could always go to the Lord. And he said, teach me. He said, you know what he was saying? I want, I desire to follow God with my life. David made choices. He wanted to be faithful. He focused on God. He wanted a face-to-face with God. He wanted to follow God's paths. Those were the choices that he made. Notice in verses 12 down through 14, the courage that he mustered. The courage that he mustered. I want you to notice in verse 12, we touched on this earlier. I won't, I won't dwell upon it. But in verse 12, deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies for false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. He had a fierce enemy that hated him, that wanted him dead. And, and, and David, under those, uh, those things, had to muster his courage not only that, but notice in verse number 13, he said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, I wouldn't have made it. I would have given up. He, he, had, he had hit in the point that it, was, that it was dire. He had nowhere literally to turn. Uh, where, where he did go in the temple, uh, there was a trail of blood because they went back and killed those people that, that had helped David. And, and so he literally felt isolated. Could you imagine when he heard word and heard news of that priest being slain? Man, how that just would tear his heart up. And here he is saying, 
I thought, man, it's not what I've endangered people. I'm responsible for, for their blood. And, and, and boy, I, I, I don't even uh, know how I could make it. But I love this phrase. He says, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. And I love the phrase, in the land of the living. David was looking for God to do something while he was alive, not after he died. And, and don't, don't misunderstand me because sometimes we pray for something and sometimes it is God's will to take somebody home. But David was like, man, I'm a young man. I don't think this is the end of the road. And I'm looking for God to do something in my lifetime to take care of the situation. And he was praying that. And, and we see that, uh, that he believed. I love that word that's used there in verse number 12. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Certainly David was looking at a lot of evidence that was going against what he was believing. It was going against what he was thinking. But he was believing and he was holding on to that faith that God was going to do something and use him in, in, in life. He wasn't looking for death. He wasn't looking for a way out. He was looking for God to use him. And he expressed his faith in verse number 13. Look at verse number 14. And we find where he fortifies himself. And it says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David, wanted, David decided that he needed to wait on the Lord. You know, sometimes when something happens, we're more prone to uh, go, in, uh, go in a swinging. And David could have, David very well could have grabbed a sword and, and launched a campaign even against the government and, and could have uh, attempted to do all of that. But you know what David did? He said, you know what? I'm going to wait on God. And he said this, look at what it says. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen, I love this, thine heart. Heart. He was saying, hey, it wasn't the physical strength that David needed. It was that intestinal fortitude that we say. It was that courage. It was that heart that would keep going, that would not allow him to stop. That, that when all of the world was waging war against him and David was a wanted man and there was no place literally for him to turn and he couldn't go back home, he was saying, God... You can strengthen my heart and keep me going. And he was waiting on the Lord. And we find that I think in this psalm, David was really learning. Oh, he starts off with a lot of confidence, no doubt. But as he, as he, as he starts to uh, realize everything and he knows he's up against a lot, and, and we see his choices that he made to, to, to be faithful to God and to follow come what may, uh, doesn't matter what happens, that he was going to be faithful to God and focus on God in midst all the troubles, midst all the trials, and, and that he was going to uh, muster his courage here in, in the last few verses and say, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. 
He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We don't like to wait, but boy, it's necessary. And, and listen, to be honest with you, in the life of David, in the life of Elisha, in the life of the, uh, the, uh, the Israelites as they were crossing the Red Sea, God did things that they could not do. When we take things into our own hands and we try to act and we try to um, fight our own battles, if I can say it that way, then we're taking that, that, that privilege away from God. And we're not allowing him to work. And I'll be honest with you, God works far better than we do. <laughs> he does a better job. And he doesn't fail. And, and yes, it looked, bleak. it looked bleak for David. But I tell you what, he encouraged himself. And he said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say. On the Lord. And I don't know what difficulties you face. I don't know what problems you have. I don't know what struggles you may go through. But I can tell you this we need to wait on the Lord. We need to be of good courage. And He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What a great verse. Our flesh doesn't like it, that's true. But it's a great truth that we need to hang on to. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for the psalm, Psalm 27, and God, so many of the psalms, so encouraging, so strengthening, so helpful. God, even to look at a life like David's that is far more steeped in problems than many of us have, and that's not to belittle our problems, but he was literally running for his life an outlaw in his own country. And God, thank you for his words, his choices, and this psalm that he writes for us that we could learn from it as he was learning to lean on you. God, help us in our lives and our problems and our difficulties to learn to lean on you. God, will thank you for that. God, will give you the honor and glory for moving and working in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.